Hey, been a while. It's been a long time, but I'm uh, I'm super excited. Why? Well, I just came off a week of vacation. Yeah, you seem energized. <laughs> I'm stoked. Just um, today, like when you introduce me as your guest, if you can call me Reverend Matt Houchin. Um, why? Why do you want me to do that? I thought I told you uh, I'm a reverend now. Some friends asked me to be their officiant at their wedding, and I became a reverend. So wow! So you you did like four years of of school in like a week? No, you just go to a website and you type in your name and email address, and then um, and you can become a reverend. Wow. I've uh, I've been posting sermons on Facebook. <laughs> I'm glad you're taking it seriously, and I am more than happy to introduce you that way. If I wasn't a celebrity, would you be so nice to me? If I didn't have cheese like every day, would you still want to be with me? If I couldn't buy you diamond rings and all those other expensive things, would you be so into me if I wasn't a celebrity? Lately. Oh, another reason why I'm super excited, by the way, we have an uptick in our fandom. So I would like to take a second and just thank all of the fans, yeah. old fans for sticking with us. And new fans for joining us. Welcome, yeah, welcome to Jessica Interviews Matt about celebrities he has encountered. My guest today is the Reverend Matt Houchin. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. All right. So shall we talk about our celebrity? Yeah, this is a big one today, Jessica. I'm excited. This is a small encounter, but a very big deal. I feel like we're, we are about to embark on like the culmination of our podcast. Really, where do we go from here? Or this could be the actual beginning of our podcast. Oh, you're right. The rest of the episodes don't even really count. It was just a warm-up. So, okay, I am really, really dying to hear the story. For those of you who do not know Matt, I know Prince to be one of Matt's, what would you say? Idols? idols? Not idols. That's yeah. Too, that's, is that too strong of a word? <laughs> that's the first thing that popped into my head, too. Personally, when Prince died, I felt similar to how I felt after 9-11. Yeah. Okay. That's idol status right there. And I'm not even like saying that flippantly. Like I had that feeling of just like... No, I know. The world will never be the same. It just felt wrong. And I'm even like feeling emotions now talking about it. Yeah. Just you can't help how you feel. The world will never be the same. It is an event. Prince is here! I know you must perceive yourself as being different. Have you ever perceived yourself as being weird in any way? Mm, yeah. 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 I understand everything's relative, not weird to me. But, yeah. Uh, probably weird is. And you're living in Minneapolis of all places. Minneapolis, yeah. Yeah. I will always live in Minneapolis. Being from Minnesota, I felt that connection with Prince. And then in 2010, I moved back to Minnesota and someone recommended this church to me called Park Avenue United Methodist Church. And I went, I went there and I really loved it. I really connected to the pastor and uh, I started going to this church. And then I found out months later that this was the church that Prince went to and his first wedding was actually in this church. So I was just like, what? yeah, I was like, wow, this is like the church for me. Like how crazy that this worked out. And he played on a basketball team there hmm. and was part of the youth group. I feel like he was a pretty quiet celebrity. Yeah, he was famously private. And he was always like really protective of his image, protective of music rights. He had a team that anything that got uploaded onto the Internet, he would have taken down and threaten legal action. <laughs> you seem to have uh, somewhat of a, a love-hate battle going on with technology. Uh, I know you haven't always loved the internet. It's a double-edged sword, you know. A lot of artists aren't getting paid full scale for their art. And the internet, because of downloading and things like that, is kind of like a black hole. 
in 2013, there was like a brief window of time. He was actually tweeting on Twitter. You, you have an Instagram account, a Twitter account now? Um, I'm trying to get Instagram. People would tweet at him and he would respond and then he would like delete the tweet right away. But obviously you can screen grab him. He might not have known that. <laughs> you don't even need to delete it because anyone that's tweeting at you is going to be screen grabbing the tweets, which I did. And uh, I'll show you the tweet. Um, I'll share my screen here. This is great. I said, Prince, come back and visit Park Avenue Church. We miss you. And then I tagged Park Avenue, Minneapolis. Aww. And then he wrote back. Ah, uh, is Art still with us and doing well? Aww. And Art is Art Erickson, who was his youth pastor. Aww. So that's how I know it was like not uh, an assistant or something that was tweeting from his account. Right. This is so cool. I didn't get to meet him in person ever, but this I feel like I had a genuine interaction and connection with him where he asked about uh, his youth pastor at the church that I was now going to. This is amazing. And then five minutes later, he deleted his tweet to me, but... I've got it screen grabbed wow, here. So interesting. But it was weird because, yeah, if you look, I tweeted at him and then one minute later he tweeted back at me. So he was just like on it. And I don't, I think this just lasted like a couple mm -hmm. days. So yeah. I just had this very small window to interact with Prince on Twitter and, uh, and he got back to me. So that's my encounter. Yeah. Not, not a huge deal. He was tweeting uh, to a lot of people, but this was a big deal for me. Yeah. As your idol, one of your idols. I'd say this is serious. Yeah, I got to have a little mini conversation with him about something real. It wasn't just like, yeah. hey, I'm a big fan. And he's like, yeah, thanks, buddy. Yeah, um, exactly. Like I, I feel like it's even more, it's a little bit more personal than just, you know, running into the guy at the grocery store. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I've always thought it was cool. Yeah. I would say your encounter is not just the tweet. It's the fact that you were active in his church, childhood church. Those people all knew him. Loved him. Yeah. So at one point, Prince, he changed his name to the symbol, right? Yeah. Do you know anything about that symbol? It's just, uh, it's like a man symbol and woman symbol combined. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But I feel like there's also a little bit of like a like a, a cross type thing in there, maybe. Oh. I don't know anything about it. Let me see. Um, yeah, it definitely looks like there's a cross in there. Good eye. Like that little swooshy thing. Yeah. And how'd you come up with that? Mm, prayer. Prayer, yeah. You weren't just doodling one day and you thought, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's changing. That's funny. So I also did youth ministry at Park Avenue. And I wanted to like talk to the kids about Prince because maybe they didn't know about Prince and like how cool is that this icon went to this church. And so I was looking for songs on YouTube and Prince takes everything down. But there was one song that was still on YouTube and it was his song The Cross which is like a super Christian song so I wondered if he purposely was like we can leave that one up hmm. because that's you know I want people to hear this message interesting and it had been up for years and it came up right away when you search for a print song so it had to be like purposely huh. left up somehow yeah black day stormy night no love no hope inside don't cry he is coming, don't die without knowing the cross. So let's talk about Jesus. <laughs> <coughs> all right. <laughs> now all of our listeners are clicking off the... <laughs> I mean... Uh, done listening now. 
<laughs> yeah. All right. Unsubscribe. <laughs> I think it's it's an incredibly deep topic. Yeah. The J-Man. Do you know that uh, Christian artist Carmen? Carmen. No. My aunt and uncle that are really Christian, um, they sent me a CD once in the early 90s by this Christian artist named Carmen. He was like this dorky white guy, but and he would do all these different genres. And he did a hip-hop one, and there was a song called Who's in the House? And then it was like, J.C. <laughs> I feel like that would be a good uh, theme song for you, yeah. like a good walk-up song. That actually would be really great, because a lot of people call me J.C. <gasps> For the record, if we're going to talk about spirituality, I would like to just make a, a public statement as a host of this wildly successful podcast that, <laughs> that I don't subscribe to any sort of belief that one one religion is the, the right way to believe. So all religions are welcome on Jessica Interviews Matt about celebrities he has encountered. Yeah, oh, good, uh, good disclaimer. But uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, interesting to talk about this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's always been really interesting to me that Prince, this person that doesn't seem like the stereotypical Christian, yep. was also deeply spiritual. Now, where does your inspiration come from? I like to believe that my inspiration comes from God. And that Did you always believe that? Because you were once kind of raucous, right? I mean, you're, mm -hmm. right? You would say you would... Well, not anti-spiritual. You certainly would oh, not no. think of you as a great believing soul. Well. <laughs> true or not? No, I, I don't believe that to be Always true. were. Oh, I've always known that God was my creator. I'm trying to figure out how to, like, really dig into this. Right. And maybe the best way to do it is to start by talking about, like, some of the things that I've been thinking about that kind of relate to what you were talking about just now. Um, so the Liturgist podcast shout out to the liturgist podcast and their whole community they're on season seven season seven is going to be a great season because it's all about how to reform christianity they're all about kind of deconstructing these what many consider i fully consider these things and beliefs that when we grew up in this really strict and kind of rigid christian environment these beliefs that were pretty harmful and detrimental to us as humans um, so they're all about deconstructing that and moving into a new era of what does it mean to believe in God, believe in Jesus Christ, um, believe in all those kind of core things, but also not be super judgmental, not be, you know, super fearful and shame filled. And Yeah, I think that's a great uh, thing to talk about. I think we could start by each of us giving a background, because like when you say I was raised in this tradition that's judgmental and shameful or whatever, like... I did not have the same experience, so mm -hmm. I think we're we come at it from different angles, and it would be helpful to listeners to know uh, like our backgrounds. I think that's a great idea. So tell me your backgrounds. So I'm in, I'm imagining you insert some really you know heartfelt worship music at this point in time to introduce me. Who's in the So I grew up in the Methodist church, Prince and I. Yeah. We have that in common. Perfect. For me, church growing up was very, um, it was all about community. My church friends were my community growing up. They did such a good job of creating a youth group that was really the only place I wanted to be as a kid. And we did really cool, fun things. And 
we had a ball. We would go on two-week mission trips every summer. We'd go to church camp as well every summer. All the kids would run around, go wild, and camp on the beach. And it just was like everything you could hope for. Every Sunday, we had this like, you know, incredibly lovable, charismatic reverend, I guess is what we would call him, similar to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he just basically kind of gave like a little, it was like an anecdote. Was like he told fun stories, but it was all it was always feel good. It was always like you know we love our we love each other and um, we're here for each other. Everyone's accepted and it was very positive. No hatred of the gays. No, no, no fire and brimstone. My church was pretty progressive, even you know when just the concept of same sex marriage came out, um, they were really open. I'm pretty sure you know they flew a rainbow flag in their in front of the doors. That's cool. Yeah, lovely. But also, you know, traditional and that they were pretty liturgical. Like we had like a a reading, we all read read things together and there was the choir and the hymns and the organ and all that kind of stuff. They definitely didn't really didn't want to branch into that like Christian contemporary music very quickly. Who's in the house? <laughs> there you JC. Go. <laughs> so the music that the music you sang in youth group wasn't like I'm trying to think of some good ones. I mean, we didn't really sing any in youth group, to be honest. Okay. I didn't even really know. I got didn't even really know contemporary Christian music at all growing up. It wasn't until college. I just I feel like that's crazy that you grew up going to youth Christian stuff and there wasn't some guy with a guitar making everybody sing. No. Wow. Yeah, I know. Well, trust me. I mean, that came later. Fascinating. But definitely a very unique upbringing as far as like the quote unquote Christian upbringing. Yeah. I am super grateful for that. When your parents got divorced, was that a big deal in the church or were they just like, eh? Well, that was the other thing that was interesting about my church is that I, I will say there maybe their one downfall is that they didn't really talk about the hard things much mm-hmm. for as many amazing wonderful families that would get together there was you know probably statistically about half of them (laughs) were ended in broken marriages and every year they had the family of the year award so one year we were the family of the year and we got our name on the plaque so it's like it was very celebrated like a very perfect picture perfect uh, mom dad two kids two and a half kids like smiling faces all is beautiful yeah. kind of a thing that I will say kind of kind of messed me up because when I when my parents did get divorced it was kind of like wait what this isn't supposed to be did they take the picture down <laughs> no there were so many families of the year that that broke apart eventually it was super sad I think they I think ultimately they just stopped doing family of the year <laughs> that was I mean that was their downfall and even to this day there it's just yeah it's it's happy it's 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 fun. It's happy-go-lucky. Growing up, did you ever question anything? Um, Were you like a man went in a whale stomach uh, and then came out of it? Oh, <laughs> like that? I don't know. I don't know about that. No. <laughs> no, I just imagined what happened. Him just like powwowing in a whale stomach with a little fireplace and like picked out a few fish, ate them. <laughs> What's the big deal? It's totally believable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I never did. I was not that kind of kid. And so you just thought that the Bible was, uh, was like true stories that happened in history. I mean, honestly, I like I didn't really think much about it when I was a kid. Yeah. But again, right. when I got into well, I college, mean, when and... you're seventeen, eighteen in high school, you're still not thinking oh, a lot I, about it, or I didn't think much about that in general at all. Thinking about Nick Lachey. Yeah, exactly. No, I wasn't thinking much about um, Jonah. <laughs> And the whale at that point in time. 
I suppose. Sounds like you were. You were that kid. You were the kid in Sunday school that was like, um, excuse me. That doesn't seem very plausible. I've been like that my entire life. My parents told me with Santa Claus, I was just like, what? what? Like, we don't have a chimney. Like, what do you mean he's a man comes down at our chimney and gives me presents like that? I don't believe that. I was always very skeptical of Santa Claus. And in the same way, yeah, reading the Bible, you're just like, there's this, a man lived to be 900 some years old. Like, what are they, what are they even talking about? So you're, you're like reading, I can imagine you're reading it, you know, in your bed because you're like a good kid and you're, they tell you to read your Bible. Okay, you're reading it. You're just like, what? Just like flipping the book. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of like that now. Like I've, I don't know. We, uh, yeah, we're would, uh, getting would, into the weeds. So <laughs> we haven't had a rabbit tangent in a while. So, so college, uh, fast forward to college is when I really kind of got engrossed into the evangelical community. That is definitely where some of the, I would say some of the most beautiful aspects of my faith and spirituality were born, but also some of the most detrimental aspects of my <laughs> spirituality or, you know, side effects of spirituality. I went on a mission trip with a bunch of people who were beautiful, wonderful souls, definitely crazy Christians, <laughs> crazy evangelical Christians, love them to death. And um, I entered into the new phase of like hyper Christian living, really intense. I forget, uh, was this a Christian college? It was a college, a liberal arts college that had roots in the Dutch reform tradition so it was pretty christian they did it was a dry campus do they allow um, dancing and like um <laughs> boys to be in girls rooms they did they allowed dancing i think we had dances but they did not allow uh gender opposite gender to be in in other gendered rooms which is insane that that still happened and i went to a college that did that <laughs> so no co-ed dorms but well actually that's the funny part there were co-ed dorms but they were by floor so basically, you could not be uh -huh. caught in an, the opposite gender's floor past a certain time. Okay, past a certain time. Yeah, okay. past a certain time. And um, in college, so I, I had some really intense experiences spiritually that like the kind of experiences that like, I fully believe that they are real. Um, but I, I kind of imagine them as like, just the divine energy source like I can I felt the divine energy source physically in my body yeah so if you think about my upbringing was very surface level anecdotal and in college I like dove in now it's more deep and emotional and you're feeling very connected well so. yeah if I could just round out basically like the so the the negative effects of of diving into like a hyper evangelical Christian world is one there's some fairly detrimental beliefs, I think, that permeate that environment. Like, number one, Jesus is the only way. And you have to, like, believe and say that you believe in Jesus yeah. um, Bizarre. in order to get to heaven. And if you don't, then you go to hell. <laughs> like, that's, that's the second very problematic belief. You're tortured for the rest of your life in the worst place yeah, imaginable right. because you didn't right. say but, you believe in Jesus. <laughs> yeah. But listen, like, God is love. Like God is all in, like he loves. <laughs> right. Humanity. Yeah. That's totally compatible. Like, those two, you know, things. the majority of them <laughs> get tortured. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, that was one thing that I do remember questioning um, in, in my college years. It's like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And just the pressure then that that puts on you as the quote unquote disciple to share the news and be a, uh, an quote unquote evangelist of this 
truth, this gospel, like, that's just a lot of pressure. Yeah. Plane rides were torturous for me because I was told that, like, oh, plane rides, it's a perfect time for yeah. you to strike up a conversation. You know, just read a Christian book and, like, look over at the person, like, do you notice that I'm reading this? <laughs> <laughs> it was so stressful because I was, like, and, I mean, like, this is how asinine and absurd these beliefs are. I would leave not having talked to my neighbors on the plane and I would just be like, what have I done? Like I have not done my duty. It was just, yeah, those people are in hell now and it's your fault. It's all my fault. (laughs) Yeah. Uh... We talk about it now and it's like, I can't like, I actually can't believe that I ever believed that. And it is, it's a really interesting thing that happens. I think because there is so many positives of it, right? Like, there's, it's such a deep, like, you're feeling physical sensations of, of energy that I would believe is, like, divine energy in your body. Like, it's powerful stuff. I mean, I remember being just elated um, at, yeah. at times as yeah. in that time in my life. Like, just genuine, like, happiness, joy, community. So I... For sure. There's so many positives that come out of it that I guess... You just are like, well, I guess this is just what I got to do. And your personality, too, is like if you have a job to do, you're going to get it done. Yeah. But OK, real quick, though, because there was one more thing that ties into this that I think is bad. And that is just the shame, the shame culture. It goes deeper than like if you don't say you believe in, in Jesus, uh, then you go to hell. It's, yeah. it's like flavors of like, well, if you don't do X, Y, and Z, if you don't save sex for marriage, or if you have different sexual preferences, or a lot of it is around sex, which is also really twisted and weird. Yeah. Um, but like, even if you don't read your Bible every day, it's like, well, who knows, maybe you might be living in sin. And that could also lead you down a path that you don't want to go to eternal damnation. So those are the things that I believe are incredibly detrimental. And it, it to be honest, like, although I feel like uh, my, my deep dive into Christianity in college was wonderful in so many ways, it was always also very, very detrimental to me for many, many, many years post that. And so now I, I'm in the kind of the camp of people that are like trying to uh, deconstruct all of that and enter into a new world of being a spiritual person. Yeah. And yeah, like you were saying about like God is love, but if you don't believe in him, you go to hell for the eternity. That's kind of a similar thing to like the message is a lot of times like all you have to do is ask Jesus in your heart and you're saved forever, period. But then it's like, OK, I did that. And it's like, well, did you have premarital sex? Because then that it's like, oh, does, <laughs> exactly. does that reverse it? Uh, uh, I thought you said yeah. I was saved forever. And they're like, and like well, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So confused. So, OK. Let, let's get your story then. First, what's your walk on music for this? <laughs> um, Did you ever listen to like uh, any Christian rap? Just that one rap song about uh, uh, who's in the, <laughs> house, in the house, JC. I always thought Christian music was super lame. You would. I actually do like a lot of it now. Mm. If I put it on certain songs, I'll like start tearing up. There are some really good, really good uh, Christian songs now. But yeah, like the contemporary Christian stuff that we think about with that I think about at least was always like kind of lame. Some uh, Michael Michael W. Smith. Uh, Michael W. Smith. He's all right. Uh, what's that? Uh, <laughs> oh come on. What's the song about like a whole new, not a whole new world? I'm looking for a reason. Wrong. 
I don't remember any of them. I blocked them out of my mind. Even when I was a super Christian, I did not like that song. <laughs> I'm into it. Growing up, I, uh, my family like identified as Christian, I guess you could say. My grandma was super Christian. I had uh, an uncle that was a reverend, like I am now, um, but like a real reverend. Um, Runs in the family. I grew up around it and like knew all the stories. And I've, I'd been like sporadically to church, mainly with my grandma. But like with Santa Claus, I was always very skeptical. And I really wanted to believe in all this stuff. And I would like try a lot. Like in college, I would go... I tried a couple different churches. I took an intro to Christianity class, and then we had to go to a church service for that. And then I like started going to that church for a little bit, and like I went to some Bible studies and stuff like that. So I was always just like really interested in it, and I've always wanted to believe because like why wouldn't you want to believe that mm-hmm. there's an afterlife and a heaven and and all that? Uh, but I just never. Your rational mind was like, yeah, I don't buy it. Yeah, there's just too many contradictions. Like we were, we've talked about. And then, yeah, just that there's so many religions, it just didn't really make sense. But uh, when I first moved to Los Angeles in 2004, I got to be friends with this one woman, Stephanie, and and I was explaining this to her, and she was like, I feel like there's just something that you've yet to see. And uh, and I always remember that. And then six years later, I had that yet-to-see moment, and I was like, oh... (laughs) Uh, I know exactly what you, what you mean. And then like everything kind of clicked and made sense. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about it? Yeah. So then in 2009, uh, I was in Los Angeles again. Um, I wasn't feeling a lot of meaning in what I was doing, but I wasn't like unhappy at all. I was just like, is this all there is? <laughs> like this, uh, I feel like this is what <laughs> I set out to do in life. Like I wanted to move to LA and become an actor and writer or whatever. And uh, I'm doing it and it's going well, but um, not really feeling super connected to it or that there's a lot of meaning behind it. And uh, I just had a lot of downtime and so I was reading a lot. A friend of mine uh, just was, I think she had started reading the Bible or something. And and then so she suggested that I read, start reading the book of Matthew, which is the first book in the New Testament. So I just randomly, I was just in my bedroom, just like reading that one day. And uh, I got to the Beatitudes, which is like Jesus's words. And I just started crying, like weeping, reading it. And then any time for like months after that, any time I'd read that section, I would just start crying. Mm -hmm. And I'd heard all this before and I've read these books before. I'd read the book of Matthew before for a college class and I never had the same reaction. But there was this like brief window that I guess it totally rewired my brain. From what I understand about people that do psychedelic drugs and have these transcendental experiences. That's exactly what it felt like, just like sitting in my room by myself reading the words of Jesus. So it was very powerful. It it was life-changing at the time, and I totally changed almost everything in my life. Yep. That's the, those are like the experiences that I had in college. And I, it's really hard to, to describe Right. Yeah. And people that do psychedelics say the same thing. It's yeah, right. like when you do mushrooms or go on like some crazy trip, everything you describe it as just sounds super cliche or like doesn't make sense to somebody that hasn't experienced it. So it's uh, right. It's, it's definitely like hard to that, explain to people and you just sound crazy. And that's like, I mean, I think it happens with a lot of different forms of connecting with 
the divine. That's where I'm at now. Obviously, there's so many different ways of connecting to the divine being, but I do 100% believe that, that it is true and it is real and and it happens differently for different people. But about the highest risk one would think someone who gets famous would take is to drop the name that got them famous. Well, um, that was one of the things that I dealt with is that uh, I really searched deep within to uh, find out the answer to whether fame was most important to me or uh, my spiritual well-being and I chose the latter. When you get the inner calling to do something and you know it, that you're being inspired by God, you pretty much uh, know you better answer that call. Can I, I feel like I want to read the Beatitudes. Can we put it in the podcast? You want to read it? Yeah, I do. Like, you want <clears throat> you want to read it? Like, I would like to read it right now <laughs> for our listeners. Okay. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. that the liturgist podcast does is they'll like randomly just insert like a really emotional like poetry reading so i just had that in my mind so i know i gotta find some music for that to put in that yeah definitely preferably christian rap yeah i uh people just don't really understand the message of jesus is turns everything we understand like on its head when you were describing your church growing up it was like oh it's kind of like happy-go-lucky stories and we all have a good time and and pete holmes talks about this too where it's like the the message of christianity isn't just like be nice to each other it's like this crazy revolutionary belief mm -hmm. give away all your belongings and the purpose of life is to help other people mm -hmm. um and to like lose your own ego mm -hmm. yeah people don't really understand that and they just think it's about like not being gay yeah exactly it makes me sad because it is. And not only that, but so then I, for me, I feel like helping people was always a big thing for me. But then, but that even gets to the point where it's, it's too much pressure. It's like, oh, well, if I'm like not giving away all, all my belongings and not helping people, then what am I doing? Yeah. Agreed. But for me, I've experienced the, the the letting go of your ego thing is where kind of where I'm at, I feel like, in my world. Because I, I was a teacher for four years, and I basically like just gave my life, heart, and soul, every ounce of my energy to 
other people and it burned me out and I got really, it just was like too much, right? Yeah, I can relate to that. I mean, if we really believe that God is love and that he loves all of us as his own children, we just need to chill out. <laughs> just need to fucking chill. Our parents are going to love us no matter what. Mm-hmm. I uh, feel bad when people don't have parents or have shitty parents. <clears throat> but if you think of like mm-hmm. a parents in a classic sense, they love you no matter what. So it's uh, we don't need to kill ourselves trying to prove ourselves to be worthy. Yeah. And that's coming from a reverend, an ordained reverend. <laughs> you heard it straight. You heard it straight from the spiritual man, <laughs> folks. Hashtag ordained. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do know, believe I in one, one thing I... Go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> oh, thanks, reverend. Um, <laughs> I don't know why some people have harder lives than others, but I do believe that, like... I feel if there's something that I can do to make other people's lives better, that I do feel like as a a responsibility, not in like a negative way and shameful if I don't, but like, I feel like I have a lot of love to give. So I should, I should give it. And that then in turn spreads that positive love and makes people's lives a little bit better. And then that makes other people's lives a little bit better. And hopefully that like affects the world in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I walk outside my door in San Francisco and I encounter like 10 people lying on the street, yeah. drugged out of their minds or passed out. And mm-hmm. it's, if I was like the Good Samaritan or something, I'm like stopping for each of these people, but I would spend my whole life stopping and figuring out how to help them. And I, it's just like a never ending thing. So it's hard, hard to do all the time or practice constantly as a reverend you should know the story of the starfish uh, uh yeah give me a second yeah <laughs> yeah uh so this is definitely this one. Is a good one tell, tell us the story yeah so as a reverend i uh i use this uh anecdote a lot in my teachings uh there was a, a boy walking along the beach and the beach was just filled with all these starfish that had washed up on the sand and the boy was picking him up and throwing him back into the ocean to save their lives. And someone came along and was like, hey, little boy, you can't possibly save all of these starfish. There's millions of them. And he tosses one into the ocean and he goes, well, I saved that one. It's a brilliant. It's a, I couldn't have told it any better. No wonder you're a reverend. Yeah, no, I think that's a good story. <laughs> it is. I don't know. It's, it's cheesy, but... I don't know. I, I, I think about that every once in a while. Because I think, again, human human nature, especially for some people more than others, maybe is to be like, oh, look at, look at what, what everything that I'm not doing. And then it's like, well, no, there's some things that I am doing that are good. I mean, we should always push ourselves, but. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've put a lot of pressure on myself, especially after that experience in L.A. where I was just like, all right, I'm going to I've got this new knowledge and I'm going to just save the world and I'm going to help everybody and make a massive impact. And then just realizing after like banging my head against the wall for several years, it's just like, oh, wow, this is really hard. So that's why I'm trying to get to do like foster care. And that's like a perfect Mm -hmm. example of like, well, I saved that one or like I'm helping this one person and doing as, as good of a job as I can. I'm not trying to you know, start an orphanage or save every person in, mm-hmm. in the world, but I can like, I can do this part and, uh, and still have like some healthy boundaries. Right. That's a hundred percent. I agree. I did the same thing. It just, it, it just burns you out. And I, 
Like I was on totally like in the world of thinking like, oh, I should just be a missionary. Like I should definitely just do that. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I needed to develop a certain level of mental strength um, and like knowing myself a lot better for me to be able to then really pour out everything I have. Yeah. So someday I might, I'll probably go back into the, the world of education or something. I don't know. The ego is one thing and money is one thing, but um, reverence for life and service to others is the key to getting off this planet. Known for his mysteriousness, the reclusive prince sat down for a rare interview with E.T. in 1997. Whenever we get too tied down to anything mm -hmm. uh, on earth, be it a name, a body, a, um, a lifestyle, that's the road to ruin. When you get too worried about this lifetime and you put too much effort in it in a negative sense, it's, it just keeps you from your goal. If I think about what I actually believe heaven is, I don't know what happens in the afterlife, whatever. But I believe that heaven is, can be lived now. And it is, it's, it's that community that's like feeding people who don't have food. It's, yeah. Along with the starfish story, do you know the story about the, the difference between heaven and hell with the forks? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Oh, if I could have a moment. Wait, do you want to tell this one? Can I go ahead and just take the stage? I don't know of a good way to describe this or to set this up. But right. basically, there's two places. And both places have the exact same scenario. They have an entire table full of amazing food, delicious, everything you could want. There's cakes. There's pretzels. Pretzels. Love pretzels. Just everything that you could ever want. And guess what? You could eat it all and you never feel sick and you never get fat. Sounds great. But... The only problem is that you have a fork that's like so long that you can't actually like if you put it on the, the fork, you can't actually feed yourself um, and you're you can't use your hands either for some reason. I don't know. You just can't. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> it's kind of like an Edward Scissorhands situation where you're, like the forks. Oh, right. Are, like... The forks are your hands. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so. You don't have hands. <laughs> Get this. You don't have <laughs> hands. You have forks. But the forks aren't small. They're really long. So you can't feed yourself because it doesn't fit. So hell is a miserable place because they can't eat it. They have to look at it and they don't get it. And they're flinging food all over the place and it's just really messy and they're just really unsatisfied and starving, really. I mean, let's be real. Yeah. But in heaven, you'll see that they figured out a workaround for this. And instead of feeding themselves, they feed each other. Yeah. Boom. Ding. You could be a reverend. <laughs> Clearly. Do they let yes. women do that now? Yeah, I think that that was um, something that they changed. At least some religious organizations have changed that a while back, yeah. Th that's good. That's the thing, though. Every every group within Christianity, every other religion, every religion, because it's ultimately it's like humans' interpretation of what should be done and their interpretation. It's, so it's all flawed in the end. Yeah. But I think it's worth looking into for people and not just dismissing it as like uh, this like mythology. Yeah. And there's these really amazing spiritual moments that you can have that change your life forever. Yep. There's always a way for people to connect to the divine, whether you like, yeah. again, like I think it's fascinating your, your way of connecting and like your kind of life changing moment was reading the Beatitudes. Mine was in music. Some other people's are like, like literally, you know, serving people and just, I mean, even just like getting out into nature and 
like really being yeah. like letting yourself take it all in and mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like you got to be open to it. That's the key. Yeah. Thank you. 